Robot Gundam style, everybody, and welcome to Wow Cool Robot. Wow. Cool Robot. So, uh, this week, this week we covered some episodes. Oh, Jake. Oh, Jake. These certainly were some episodes, huh? Oh, Jake, I don't know about this one, Jake. <laughs> I don't know about this one. Now, I will say, I... Last week, as you, everyone knows, I had this strange manic energy about me because, you know, I, I had to start packing up to move and everything. I got an apartment and all of that. This week, the fatigue has set in. I played far too much Assassin's Creed. I haven't done enough packing yet. I've been getting so many packages of the furniture that I'm going to put in my new place. And to top it all off, Jake, these episodes just kind of wrenched the spirit out of my mortal body. Yeah, they were, um, you know how last week we were saying, like, oh, these might be the best episodes yet? <laughs> I do remember that fondly. Yeah, so, um, what if, what if we did a fun little trick and did the opposite of that? What if we get, like, a cool space tribalism and you, you, you love to see it? Ugh. Okay. It's it's Zeta Gun double Zeta Gundam. I forget what show I'm watching. I'm very tired. <laughs> Jake, can you please kick us off with the summary of the only good episode we watched this week? Episode 13. <laughs> Little Sister. The argument is finally able to resupply at La Vion Rose, and they plan to fully overhaul it. Bright wants the Shangri-La kids to keep an eye on Judo so he doesn't try to escape and chase after Lena. Judo escapes and chases after Lena. <laughs> <laughs> L accompanies him in the Mark II, and as they fly toward the Inja, they face off against Chara and Gotten, who are using a new spiderweb bomb weapon. Judo and L end up neutralizing the weapon and force Chara and Gooden to retreat, but not before Glimmy can once again retreat with Lena. This one was fine. Yeah, it was alright. Like it was, it was fine. It was a Gundam episode, yeah, you know. It was good. It was alright. It, 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 it was it was a an episode that happens in the middle of a series when you don't have an art going on, but you still have to pad it out, and it's not quite filler because it's still like you know it's fun and fine to look at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, this one, so we're we're at La Vienne Rose finally. It only took us 13 episodes to get here, my god. And the Argama is finally getting its just completely torn apart ass fixed. Thank goodness. But the uh, we, we find out that the La Vienne Rose is... La Vienne Rose. La Vienne Rose is kind of short-staffed on workers. Everybody's short-staffed here. The Argama short-staffed. La Vie en Rose is short-staffed. The End is probably short-staffed. It's almost as if we're in the middle of a war or something. Who could possibly say? What? That's that's <laughs> no. We, we we see we see Asinage and Emery is her name. They're talking because you know Emery's like, oh, La Vie en Rose doesn't have enough people, and Asinage is like, oh, the Margama doesn't have enough people either. But they still want to go ahead and overhaul it. Is the term they use a lot. It's Commander Bright's orders to overhaul the Argama. I don't know what that means. But I guess they're gonna make it all nice and spiffy. And uh, then we cut to the to the uh, the mess hall hmm. where um, Bright has assembled all all of the junkyard kids except for Judo. Except for Judo, he's not allowed here. Nope. And uh, there's a very funny thing where Beach is eating a very sloppy looking hot dog and splashes Bright with ketchup. You love to see it. <laughs> this dude puts an irresponsible amount of ketchup on that hot dog. Yeah, yeah, like my dude, that is That's a wet dog. Would you like some hot dog with your ketchup? Yeah, get his ass. I'm more of a Dijon mustard on a hot dog kind of guy. Not yellow mustard. Don't you dare come to me with that yellow mustard bullshit. It's Dijon or nothing. Dijon's alright. I, I am with him on the ketchup, just not on the amount. 
Yeah, I mean, it's either it's either Dijon mustard or ketchup. Not both at the same time. If it's a uh, bratwurst, I'm putting um, I'm putting horseradish on that bad boy. Ooh, it really baby. depends on what the meat of the dog is. But this just looks like a regular, regular um, what's the word? Nathan's. That's the big hot dog. The the one that everyone eats. Nathan's hot dogs exists in space now. It's it's lore. Look it up. <laughs> I I actually don't recognize that name, so I will have to look it up. I, isn't I swear to God, Nathan's is the one that does the hot dog eating contest. Nathan's hot dogs. Yeah, Nathan's famous hot dogs and restaurants. They do the they they do like the big old Coney Island hot dog eating contest every year on 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 Coney Island. My brother actually uh. was almost in that contest. He was in like the regional for where he lives, and he didn't win because he's not a professional. But like for like about a year, he was for some reason really into competitive eating contests. Huh. That's. I mean, that would be. I could see that being kind of fun. I yeah, I, I could see it being kind of fun, but also I also my, my tummy yells at me when I even think about it. And I said, no, yeah. maybe not today. One day, yeah, like like I'm a big dude, but even I think my tummy would uh, like yell like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you've had you've had four hot dogs now, and that's stretching it, buddy. <laughs> Why not have twenty four? Yeah, there we go. God, um. But yeah, he so he's talking to all of the junkyard kids, and he's like, "Yeah, can you please keep an eye on Judo because this kid is off the handle. He's going to go leave and rescue his sister Lena, and we can't have that happening because he will endanger himself." And of course, the whole time the kids are like goofing off, not listening to him, making us of their food, and then <laughs> one of the. Look, despite all the badness of these episodes this week, we get very funny lines because Bright says to these, like, 13 to 15-year-old kids, could you all please show a little more naval decorum? <laughs> Who do you think you are, Bright? I forgot that line. Oh, shit. They're just kids. They're <laughs> not you... sworn into the military, dog. <laughs> could you show some more naval decorum? <clears throat> could you please oh, follow the... Please respect the Antarctic Treaty, you 13-year-old girl. Ah! God. This guy sucks. <laughs> um, and then we see Judo headed to the hangar. And he's like, hey, motherfucker, where are you going? I, he, he's <laughs> I like, gotta go bathroom. He's like, I'm just going to go help with the maintenance on the double Zeta. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's 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 all. And as he does this, uh, uh, Coom is here and she offers him some of her stew that she made. And I really love how, like, this is, look, this is plot important stew. This comes up several times in this episode. <laughs> And now, like, I want to try some of her soup because she's so excited to share her soup with Judo. I wonder. I really want to know. We never see what it is. I really want to know what that kind of stew is. And he's he's immediately like, like, nah, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Actually, now, bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I lied. I'm I'm not gonna work on double eight. I just gotta poop. <laughs> and he does. And like, you know, L and Rue are there trying to reason with him. And like, Rue, you know, he storms into the bathroom, and L wants to follow him. And like, Rue comments, "Hmm, that temper comes from a calcium deficiency." What, what, does Judo need his Flintstones gummy vitamins? <laughs> that line cracked me up, because I was just like, I, I've, I've never heard this uh, this nutrition fact, but uh, thank you, Rue, for educating everyone us. Knows. Jake, everyone knows when your bones are weak, you don't have enough calcium, and you get cranky and angry all the time, and it makes you go to the bathroom a lot, I guess. I get I grumpy because I don't have my milk. I didn't drink my chalky milk, I'm not epic! <laughs> God. So, um, Elle goes into the bathroom to check on Judo, and she sees that he has actually changed into a normal soup, and he's carrying a large pipe. A large pipe that he broke off of the toilet that he's going to presumably use to, like, 
stealth take down anyone who's in his way as he hijacks the double Zeta and rescues his sister. Good plan, my guy. You're 15. <laughs> and then uh, Bright shows up and he has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But not a not a joke. He actually does. He drank way too much coffee. And uh, so he decides to hide. He uh, takes off his normal suit and puts it inside one of the stalls like it's sitting there. I love that. That's so funny to me. Though when Bright looks down, he sees a pair of feet like just in the stall. Yeah, of course. Someone is is pooping in their normal suit, which, as we all know from an earlier episode when Rue was telling Judo it's hard to take it off to go to the bathroom, Bright should have questioned it. (laughs) I'm poking holes in the delicate spiderweb thread of this episode. I have to Uh, find find pleasure somehow because after this episode, it's going to go tits up. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But yeah, like, and, and, and after Bright, you know, leaves, he's like, oh, good job, kids. Judo, like, actually, like, almost has a moment. Like, he kind of, like, breaks down a little bit. And he's just, like, holding the vacuum. And he's just, like, kind of, like, clutching it, like, squatting. He's just, like, really, really mad at himself that, you know, he let Lena get in the hands of the enemy. And Elle is, like, really sympathetic and is like, wow, I really wish I had someone who, you know, I wish I had an older sibling who cared about me so much. And it's like, yeah, I love that. I love this nice character moment. Yeah, that was really nice. Then we cut over to the hangar. Yes, Bicha and Mondo are uh, trying to train with the Double Zeta Score Fighters. They're, like, taking them apart and putting them back together. Mm-hmm. N- n- c- certainly not because they plan to steal it. They're just practicing, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, pr- they're, they're certainly just... They just want to become more useful to the crew. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. And, like, you know, the whole time Astronaut's just like, what are you fucking kids doing? And they explain it, and I guess he's dumb enough to believe them. And when they, like, fully transform it, Beachy goes, hello there, Mr. Double. <laughs> like, please, Mr. Double's my father. Call me Zeta. <laughs> um, and now Judo rolls up here, and he's like, oh, wow, how nice. Double Zeta's already formed for me. I'm, I, guess, I guess I'll go steal it. Because, like, there's this cart by L that, like, the normal suit's hidden under, and he grabs it and, like, dashes to it. Um... And, of course, Asinaj, like, stops him and, like, tackles him, like, in zero gravity at rules. Get his ass. And he's trying to keep him out of the cockpit. And uh, then we cut to the Indra. And, uh... It's fucking Cotillion here. And Glimmy is trying to teach Lena how to eat like a fancy person. How to be a proper lady. It's like Pride and Prejudice up in this Gundam show now. She's got a nice fluffy dress. And they're having a fancy dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. She doesn't like to be there, though. I mean, obviously, she's trying to take every opportunity to leave. I, I, does, this scene is fun with, like, the biggest fucking asterisk in the world, right? Because, you know, I like that Glemmy yeah. is, I like that Glemmy is nice. You know, he's not a good guy, but I like that he's, you know, inexplicably teaching her cotillion. I don't know why he would, but it's funny to me. But then, like, Lena's like, okay, if you don't let me go to the bathroom, I'm gonna go right here. And, like, she squats down. And, like, Glemmy, like, looks under the table, and we just get an upskirt shot. And let me... Yeah! Lena is 13 years old. I thought she was 10. Oh, shit, is she... T- no, I forgot. Is she 10? Oh, no, I'm looking at... I'm afraid... She's 10! Uh, ah! I hate... What happened? Jake, what happened to Gundam? I don't know. I thought I just, Gundam I did... was fun! I just didn't even write it in my notes, because I didn't want to. I'm in hell! I'm in hell, I'm in hell! I hate um, this show. <laughs> Whatever, it sucks. Moving on. What happens yeah. next? Um, he teaches her etiquette for how to leave the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cut back, or we cut to uh, Shara talking to Gotten in the hangar. Yes, now is the good shit. And uh, she's like, "You see that dummy asteroid over there? That's going to be our key to defeating the Argama. 
we're going to use it for a sneak attack. And, you know, Gotten is, like, still fully, uh, you know... <clears throat> subordinate to her under her control doing whatever the hell she wants and like the 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 thread between all three of these epi- like this episode is like every time he like sort of um dissents from her she's like do you want to get demoted asshole do you want me to step on you little man and you know he he loves it but he doesn't want it to happen um and yeah yeah she's she's with her, her yeah she's with her arjarja she can't and and, and oh wow i'm like i'll scrambled gotten asks her is like well can, can you send glemmy out instead and she says, no, because Haman likes Glemmy too much. And now I'm really like, what's Glemmy's deal? He seems, every single time we see him, I feel like he seems more important than I first thought when I saw the boy. You know? Yeah, yeah. like, she she straight up says he's one of Lady Haman's favorites. And, uh... I, <laughs> Don't let Mashmer know. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say, I wonder what Mashmer would think um, hearing that. Because that would be interesting. I, I think when she said that, Mashmer, who's, like, probably, like, adrift... Like, he's probably, like, he, Mashmer's at McDaniel in Granada on the moon, and, like, he just got, like, his ears perked up, and he got, like, his own, like, simp new type flash. He's like, huh? What? Is someone speaking of Lady Haman? Um, <laughs> God. And then, uh, Gotten's like, oh, but you can put me in danger? And she goes, you're not as important. Yeah, you suck, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, it's, a, it's simply a way for me to dom you. And he's like, okay, great, I love it. And she, she's trying to get in her Arjarja. And, like, her body is preventing her from doing it. Like, her, I guess her arms instinctively, like, splay out and, like, hold the sort of, like, hatch as she's trying to force her way in. And, like, she, look, this is the horniest character I've ever seen in any anime in my life, Jake. Oh, my God. She is something else. She gets in the cockpit. And, you know, the first syllable of that word is important because she does grab the, like, co- like the flight control sticks and does a little <sighs> funny stroke on them as if it were yeah. a bingus. Yeah, Char sure soon huh? rules. <laughs> She's so like it's the point where like you know I I my my mind is normal and healthy. I don't like weirdly horny characters in shows, but Shara is I feel like on such a different level that I like it and it's funny to me because it's like it's like Bayonetta. It's so aggressively horny to the point where it wraps around and doesn't really do anything. It's just like yeah. oh she's just being silly. <laughs> she's just having a normal one. Yeah, it's it's comedically horny, which is exactly. a thing I never thought I'd say before. But yeah, comedically <laughs> horny. <laughs> Wow. Love it. Wow. Uh, let's see. Um, and like as she walks out in the RJRJ, she like bonks her the robot's head on like a control arm and just like backhands it out of the way. It rules. <laughs> and Gotten's like, "Hey, can you not? Please, ma'am. This is a ship. People live here. We have to work here." And uh, so um, we we cut back to Lena and Glimmy. She walks out of the bathroom and then just starts. Going the opposite direction of where he's waiting. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that's funny. Like, she takes just kind of a look over at him, and she doesn't even run away. She just, like, starts walking the other direction. Yeah! And he's like, like, little nope. girl, where are you going? And she's like, I'm escaping, duh. I'm going back to my brother. I'm making my great escape, and you can't stop me. And he's like, damn, I guess I can't stop her. This <laughs> is funny. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yet again, my wife is... We see Chara soon outside, and she hasn't mobilized with Gotten yet because she is too busy, like, what can only be described as dry humping the air in her mobile suit. <laughs> she, and she's like shaking the ship a little bit, even because she's so close to it when she's doing this. <laughs> I love her so much. She she's, is a delight to see. She says something like she's getting herself amped up for the fight, and I'm like, mm-hmm. is that all? Is that all you're getting yourself amped up for, Chara? <laughs> I, I, I feel like 
you know, the, one of the running themes in Zeta Gundam when we watched it is that certain characters needed to go to therapy. I think Char soon is high up on that list as of now. I don't know what kind <laughs> of therapy she needs, but this kind of behavior, I feel like, is not very um, not a, not setting a good example for the for the nice people of Axis. <laughs> also, yeah. I did notice. Speaking of the way characters' names are pronounced, it's not a segue, but they say Kara. Oh, do they? So yeah, I don't know. I get like it would have been again if you look at Judo, Judo phonetically it's Judo, but they say Judo, and you look at Kara or Kara, they would say Kara. Uh, I'm just gonna look at the name. Um, who doesn't really say? Doesn't yeah? I I, I don't. I just paid attention to how they said her name, and it's apparently Kara soon, but I'm still going to say Chara soon, because that's just a fun name to me. That makes more sense to me. Tuck it in the back of your mind. It's like the Undertale guy. I love to see it. (laughs) Um, Uh, And now we cut over to a little boy judo in jail. Yeah, they they locked him up in the lunchroom, and they said, uh, stay here, eat lunch, just don't do anything else. And and he he listens, and the episode ends. Yep. And yep, roll credits. (laughs) Um. No, he he sees an air vent in the ceiling and uh, hops up there and crawls out of it. And as this, and like he, I think he crawls over to like the little break room area, and or maybe he crawls from the break room to the mess hall. And then, like at this point, I don't know. Maybe I just like stop paying attention for half a second. But like, either he signals to L or L and the orphans hatch a plan to break him out by burning the rest of uh, Shinta's or of Coom's stew, and like basically light a fire and smoke billows out of the room. Yeah, so um, L and you know come up with that plane on their own. Okay, like, all right. Completely separate to him, mm-hmm. and so as he's trying to climb through the vents, they s- start a fire and smoke everything up. And like he crawls back out of the vents, he's like, "What the hell is that smoke? What's go- there's? We are fucking under attack. There's a fire here." And of course, it's like Miss Anna. I think is the kid. He's like some some mm-hmm. Argama crew member's name is there guarding the door, and they open it. And then you know he'd already escaped in a different room by then, and he's gone. And like. In, in, you know, it's a whole struggle. Judo's, like, running towards the ship. We do see the orphans tie up Astonage at some point. I think they tie Astonage and, and Anna together. It's just like, okay, that's cute. Get, yeah, so that, and... that happens when they get to the uh, they get to the uh, hangar. Mm-hmm. Astonage jumps af- after Judo again. And then the twins, like, just sneak up on him with a rope and, like, tie them all up. I love... I don't love it that the orphans are complicit in these harebrained schemes, but I do like to see them tie a grown man up and just, like, overpower <laughs> adults. Yeah. It's just funny to me. And then, and then L says, L says the line that makes me, that made me so hype. Mm-hmm. She says, I'll get in the Mar- in the Mark II. Mark II's back! Ah! And I want, so, we've, I think earlier in the episode, when we get the first hanger shot, I think we do see the Mark II there. I guess they had, like, an extra Mark II hanging out at La Vance. Um, But I love... I love that... Mark II! We love the Mark II. Mark II is such a fucking good robot. I've been trying to find a real-grade Mark II. Ooh, that would be awesome. I, I mean... Um, Gunpla break. As of now, like, I have all of the really big Zeta suits. I got... Obviously, I got the Zeta. I got the Hyakushiki. got the Theo. I got Boundock now. I have a Cubelay incoming. So if I can get the Mark II, that's like the six most important suits from Zeta aside from Psycho, which is an unattainable goal. I have um for my for my gunpla break, I've got <laughs> the uh the version ka uh double Zeta master grade coming in the mail today. I got that. And uh it's 
it's going to be coming today. I got a notification on my phone a couple hours ago saying that it shipped out from the UPS facility. Hell and, uh, yes. So if you hear my dog start barking and me start squealing like a young child um, during the recording today, that's because it arrived. It, 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 your sign of Double Zeta has arrived. We love it. <laughs> yes. God, I love the Double Zeta. Just a big boy alert. Um, yeah. So yeah. They're, they're, they're gunplay break over. Back to the episode. Is a big struggle. Elle gets in the Mark II and she like does not know how to pilot this thing at all. Like she's reading the manual as she's on the controls. It's just, it, that's a bit that I think never gets old. Cause I just love that Gundams have just like a normal ass, like owner's manual on how to do it. Yeah. And apparently everybody just keeps it in their cockpit. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like a glove box, you know, your car's yeah. manuals in the glove box that's in fair. case you forget how to drive and you have to read it on the highway. Yeah. Don't do, please don't do that. Don't listen to me. <laughs> so I pushed the brake pedal and the shift. Ah, what's going on? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Rue's trying to uh, Rue's trying to stop Judo, and like you know, Elle's bumbling around the Mark II and like bonks into the Double Zeta and like breaks up the fight, and they're able to like you know fly out and escape. And like Rue, as they do this, Rue is like either concerned or jealous or something that l has like already figured out how to pilot the mark ii so quickly i don't know i i'm i have an eye on that i have a tab open thinking about that i want to yeah. know what that deal is because like i i feel like rue i mean we know rue is more competent than she lets on because you know it's just her affectation of like being kind of like a ditz in some cases but she's also just like you know overall very competent but i feel like her noting that l is so good I feel like that could be like maybe oof, look who knows maybe Elle's a new type I don't know anymore I never know these kids are going to be the death of me one day but I'm I'm simply looking at it is what I'm saying. Well, it's like Judo said in that episode preview: all kids are new types. You know, I forgot about that, Jake, and I thank you for reminding me because you're <laughs> right: all kids are new types. We know this is it's canon, it's law, it is written. Um, but yeah, they get outside the ship, and then uh, she's able to start flying right away. So Judo's pretty impressed by that. Yeah, uh, he follows after her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that Bicha and Mondo have snuck aboard one of his core fighters. Oh, I'm tired of these dudes. And they're like, Mondo's like, what are we going to do? And Bicha's like, we'll figure that out whenever we get in contact with the enemy. Whatever. Whatever, guys. Little assholes. Shitheads. Um, they're flying out. They're flying towards, I guess, where they know. They, I guess they know where the Endra is because they're flying towards it. And as they do, they see Chara and Gotten coming in. And of course, Gotten is in a Gaza C or D, I forget which, towing this weird asteroid. And he's having trouble because Chara assumes our Jarja is like also towed behind it. And she's just not doing any work. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> um, she, she's just hanging there. It's, it's, she's just vibing. Yeah. And and when she, <laughs> I think you sent me a screenshot of this. When she sees the double Zeta, she's like, the actual double Zeta. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's what I say whenever I see the actual Double Zeta. Yeah! <laughs> uh, let's see. So, yeah, and then she she decides that now is the time to use our cool new asteroid weapon. Not on the Argama, but we're going to capture this damn robot or we're going to die trying. And so she tells Gotten to detonate the dummy asteroid. And she calls it a spider web bomb? What's that? It's, it's, you know, it's what it sounds like. It's a spider web. It's a, a net of bombs that is shaped like a spider's web. And I guess I can all, it looks like they blow up many times. Because the def, it, I feel like it was ex- destroyed like three times in this episode. I, th- I, the way that I interpreted that is that like some, like it set off small chain reactions, but didn't blow up all the bombs. Mm, okay. All right. 
It's a cool looking thing, though. It's like, I can understand how that would destroy the Argama if it flies right into it. You're going to get bombs literally all over the Argama. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. Let's see. Let's see. So, yeah, Elle immediately, like, fires the Mark II as she's, you know, continuing to read the owner's manual. And, like, it blows up a couple of the nodes on the web. And, you know, <laughs> I did write down, during this fight, I did write down another great quote from Gotten this time. He's like, I'm not afraid. I'm not scared of the double Zeta. I'm afraid of being demoted. <laughs> yep, that one's in my notes, too. I love it. It's just it's just the thread of like gotten the only reason he's doing this is so he doesn't get his shit pushed in by Char. He doesn't get demoted. He doesn't like, you know, get bumped down a pay grade or two. Poor guy. Um, as they're fighting, Judo says that uh he's fighting because he wants to save his little sister, and Gotten realizes, oh hey, that's the child that Glemmy brought back. Damn, you mean that ten year old that the Glemmy kidnapped? Yeah, the whole world. Um so while while Shara and Judo are fighting, Gotten radios back to the Indra um, that that's Judo's sister. And is like, hey, we should use her as hostage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, Glemmy asks Gotten, like, yo, who's incoming? And all Gotten hears is L's voice when he radios the Mark II. And, and Glemmy's like, ah, oh, of course, it's a girl's voice. It must be my Lady Rue coming. Get Lena ready for a sacrifice or whatever the hell. Freak ass. Yeah, he's like, he's like, no, we couldn't do something that underhanded as use a small child as a hostage. But then once he thinks Rue's there, he's like, oh yeah, no, actually, it's cool. We're gonna put, we're gonna use this kid as a hostage right now. Let's go, motherfuckers. So he puts her in a normal suit and says, uh, "Enemies are attacking. Get this on." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she gets super excited because that means that Judo has come to save her. I mean, she's right. Yeah, she's right. And, um, you know, there's still more fighting. We cut back and forth between this and the battle. Uh, Char is, like, trying to push Judo into the web, but he, like, uses that, like, double beam cannon on his hand to, like, blow up, like, a whole portion of the web. It's, you know, it's cool. I like big explosions. We love it. The shockwave from that kind of knocks her back and makes her, like, (laughs) go of him. And uh, then he points the gun at her and he's like, I'll shoot you if you get in my way. Yeah, so I think... From what I understood, I guess he knows that either he's either aiming at Lena, who's like kind of like on this open hangar part, or like the ship itself. I I feel like at this point he knows that like Lena's the bargaining chip here, so he like is standing between Lena. He's like, I'm gonna blow up her if you don't like stop causing a ruckus, young man. This is your discipline. And they even like project her image into like with a big hologram maker into space, and they're like, Hey, we have her. Just remember, Do, do, do not forget. Very important. And look. A stopped clock is, I guess, right twice a day because Beecha and Mondo get the bright idea of like, okay, this is getting a little too hot and heavy for us. Let us detach the double Zeta. And they do. And they like turn it back into the G Fortress. And I guess, yeah, the G Fortress is the leg part of double Zeta. So like the whole thing gets split apart now. And like that confuses God. And he's like, huh, it's breaking apart. I don't know if he remembered it can do that or not. But like, you know, they do it. And in the struggle, they fly off and like, L is able to shoot Gotten into the web. And, like, at the very last minute, he gets into his escape pod and, like, bursts out of it. And, you know, his his gods is destroyed, but Char finally demotes him. We love it. <laughs> and then uh, Glimmy drags Lena back into the ship. Yeah, God, for, like, the f- fifth time by now, I guess. And Beach's ship is stuck under the Indra's guns. Somehow it got that, wedged up in there. Yeah, that's very funny to me that, like, that's how they're going to end up making contact by, like, literally getting their ship shoved into the Entra and they can't leave. It's what they wanted, so, you know, can't blame yeah. them. Yeah, and um, back on the Argama, uh, I can never remember her name, but the... Emery. Emery is saying that, uh, she's like, oh, those two must be new types. And Wright's like, mm-hmm. 
God, it, she's so excited that there's more new types that she can toy around with in battle. Like, Judo's really mad, and she's just so happy, and Bright's just like, I, I mean, uh, Bright, look, look, Bright has no right to be mad about this, because Bright brought this on himself by being so into new types. Like, it's on him, basically. Yeah, it's his fault honestly. this is all happening. Asshole, man. That's episode, though. It's fine. Except for the parts where it wasn't. Yeah. Um, And now for an episode that's even worse, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. They, uh... They sure gave us some fun ones this week. Oh, yeah, Jake, let me tell you about Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta, episode 14. <laughs> the Phantom Colony, part 1. <sighs> the Argama loses itself in an asteroid field, but finds a derelict colony calling itself Moon Moon. <sighs> Oh, they're radioed by the Light Tribe inside the colony and are to join forces with them. Light Tribe soldiers invade the Argama, taking everyone hostage as Judo's knocked out by some rebels. As it turns out, the Endra also has docked inside Moon Moon, as the Light Tribe is trying to join forces with them as well. The aforementioned rebels kidnap Chara, trying to get her and Judo to team up in order to stop the Light Tribe from trying to find a messiah so Moon Moon can stay hidden and peaceful. Gotten eventually mobilizes the Entrance forces in order to take Shara back in a fight breaks out Lena being tied to Gaza D's barking chip judo drives Axis off into double Zeta and after the battle he's held as the Messiah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Moon Moon the, the the two episodes of Moon Moon seem a bit contentious in our Discord. Some people like it, some people don't. I did not have fun with this one. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really either. Um, but you know what? I've heard people mm. say that this is like the low point of yeah. Double Zeta. So, and if, if, this, if this, is, this is the worst, yeah, yeah, if this is the worst, then like it's not that bad. Yeah, like I'm, I, you know, I'm excited for it to bounce back up. Exactly, absolutely. So, how does this one start out, Jake? So this one starts out with the uh, Lavinarles is still repairing is still repairing the Argama. Mm-hmm. Um. Emery falls on Bright very suggestively. He is to, married. To report to him that they're short on food and material. Why? When aren't they? It's the Arkema. Come on. <laughs> they uh, they bump into the door of the bridge, opens up, and everybody sees them laying on each other. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? Like, Come on, you, you two. He's married. I, I just love that reaction from the crew. He's like, what are you doing? You're serving as a bad example for us impressionable young space teenagers. You're telling us that adultery is cool and fun, Mr. Bright. God, I need to cleanse these vibes I'm having. I hate this episode so much. So, okay. They're <laughs> La Vie and Rose. First of all, I do think it's very cool that, like, La Vie and Rose is actually, like, in this case, being used as, like, a tug or, like, a toe or, like, an attachment to the Argama. Because, like, they're piloting the Argama and La Vie and Rose is attached to it, working on it. And, like, it's almost like La Vie and Rose is a trailer for the Argama. Like, they can just move it around wherever they want to, which is really neat to me. It's very cool. Yeah, and and unfortunately they've moved it into an impenetrable asteroid field. They have no hopes of navigating. Uh oh. Yeah. Whoops. We made a we made a whoop, whoopsies. Ah, beans. Um. Then they see a weird asteroid out in the asteroid mm. field, and uh, L tells Eno to analyze it, and it's like this big weird rock with like junk sticking out of it, and like I thought we were gone from all the junk, but I guess not. Yeah, they say it's a dummy, but it's really, really dense. It's very weird. And then Emery pipes up, and she's like, yeah, this is the place where they built the very first Sweetwater-type colony. 
and it's just been ignored and abandoned by everybody for years. A totally normal thing for something that's only been around like for a hundred years. Uh, yeah, I I guess the whole thing is that space is gigantic. It's called yeah. space, right? But like, you'd think that they would remember where they built the first one, you know? Yeah, and um, keep in mind for the rest of this episode with this colony of people that people have only been living in space for about a hundred years. Yeah, so I I don't remember how long this is. Universal Century, what like eighty seven or eight? I think. Um, I think so. I, yeah, like I, I think when what it was like when a certain number of people were living in space when Universal Century began. But yeah, like they haven't been at this for that long. I don't think. Yeah. So it's weird, and they're staring at it, and like they get a radio transmission saying that we are the Light Tribe of Moon Moon, and at this point, I just like kind of like. Just tensed up, and I was like, "Oh God, no! Please, no! God, no! 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 No!" <laughs> I've heard that name. I've heard. Don't I've say heard legends. Don't say tribe in Gundam. I don't need tribal politics. I don't need, you know, the the modern world's interpretation of a tribal society in Gundam. Please, God, no! Spare me yeah. from this. And as this radio uh, broadcast goes through, the junk asteroid sort of floats out of the way, and they see kind of a colony. It's like a a little tube, and you know, it, there's the docks on either end of the tube and but it's like a lot shorter than an actual colony is it, it looks like you know some sort of prototypical space colony but it very much is a, a functioning space colony and it's guess we're at moon moon now and bright's like maybe they can resupply us so let's go ahead and we'll land on there and i don't know it sounds like a cult but we'll land on there and see if they can resupply us yeah like they, they want to join forces which is great um and you know they're 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 floating there, and like you know, they, they say that only the white ship can enter. They have to leave Lavianos behind, and they do that, which is you know no trouble at all. They just detach, and they go into the colony, and it, it's like a really really tight fit because it doesn't you know it's it's small. I feel like it's not really built for that kind of battleship to enter. Yeah, and you know as this is happening, Judo and L are like going into the suits because they're like, well, we don't know where the hell we're going. We're gonna get in here because we might gotta fight these people, which is again just mm, I love. God, I love when a civilized society goes to tribal society and says, hmm, we should get ready to attack them because they're probably going to attack us. Ah! Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just making taxidermied fox face. <laughs> uh, so after they land, they are um, greeted by these dudes in robes with tridents. Um, they keep calling them spears, but they're definitely tridents. They're, they're tridents. It is three, they have three dents on them. Um, and somehow the ship gets invaded by them. You would think that they would just, like, close the doors, but, you know, whatever. The ship gets invaded by uh, by these guys. Yeah, and they, they all look like... First of all, they remind me of... Well, rather, Schwartz Bruder from G-Gun reminds me of them. Similar sort of, like, mask-looking thing. Um, okay, They yeah, remind me a little that. bit of, like, the, the Foot Clan from TMNT. It's like these, like, weird, like, black and yellow armor that they're wearing. It, like, looks like kind of like a hockey mask. It's strange. And, you know, they invade and they, like, have their tridents poked at everybody. And just, come on, good imp- good impression. You know, they're holding everyone's hostage and, like, they um they, they see the mobile suits in the hangar. And they're like, the giants, we have to destroy the giants. It's like that they don't have a word for the mobile suits and I'm just, S-M-D-H, I'm shaking my damn head. And, um... Judo is like they'll they'll blow up the port if they if they do that. So Elk decides like, hey, let's just let's just take it apart. We'll take it apart for them. And Judo's like, what? And then he realizes like, oh yeah, let's just undock it and make it look like we're 
taking it to pieces. I will say this part is really funny. I do love this part quite a bit because, you know, the, the double Zeta is made of three things. It's made of some core fighters and other bits. So they take it apart and they act as if they're like dismantling it, you know, because otherwise they're going to bomb it. And it, it's just like everyone is like catching on to this plan. Like like we see, you know, Ellen Judo crying about it and like Bright and Rue walk in. And Emery walks in, and they're like, why are you crying? And, like, you know, they catch on. Bright's like, oh, what a shame that we had to take apart our giant. And, like, Rue, you know, Bright does, like, telephone to Rue and tells her. And then Rue does telephone to Emery and tells her. And it's just, like, very, it's a cute moment when they're all, like, pretending that they, like, dismantled and, like, decommissioned this robot of theirs. It's cute. And uh, after, after Judo takes it apart and he starts to, like, come down to the hangar, he gets jumped and beaten up by two mysterious guys who aren't yeah, dressed up like everybody else. Straight up gut punched. Yeah, man. He gets KO'd. So Bright walks up to um, this guy who I'm guessing is their leader because he doesn't have a mask like everybody else. And he's got a sword instead of a trident. Yeah, I don't think we ever get this fool's name. It doesn't matter. But he's just, like, this is also the only time we ever see this guy, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's like standing in the background later on. But yeah, he's just, he's just a guy. Well, I mean, at, the, at this point, I assumed he was their leader. My bad. Mm, yeah, yeah, Um He's like, we've taken apart our giant for you, and we would like for you to hear our requests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy's like, no, you just need to come talk to our prophet. Great. Love that this tribal jungle society has a prophet, too. Awesome. Yeah. Love to see it. And we go inside Moon Moon. And I will say Moon Moon's very pretty. It's a colony. It's not as long, like I said, it's not as long as other colonies are, but, like, it's very, like, overgrown, very jungle foresty. Um, for some reason, there's just, like, a straight-up Mesoamerican pyramid. Don't know why. Yeah. Did they, like, build it there after the fact when they decided to become Anprim? Or was, like, when humanity first built a Sweetwater-type colony, they are like, yeah, wouldn't it be sick if we put, like, a Tenochtitlan in here? And they said, yeah, dude, that would rule. Either way, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense, as is a lot of stuff about this episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, So, the guy is leading them into the, uh, into the colony, and mm-hmm. we cut to the temple to see that uh, Chara, Gotten, Bicha, and Mondo are all, all already there. And Uh-oh! Talk- and talking to some old, old guy with long white hair. This guy is named Roll. He is, like, the village elder, kind of. He's not, like, the leader of, of the Light Tribe of Moon Moon, but he's, like, you know, he, he he's the old person in charge, I guess. And he's talking to them. He's saying that they all have to swear to the Coddle, which is this big, suspiciously mobile something-shaped mound of moss and trees behind the temple. Who could say what it is? They have to swear to it, and, you know, they're kind of, like, playing up. They're playing into the Light Tribe. You know, the Axis people are, because, you know, I, I think, um, I think, like, Beecha whispers to Gotten's, like, what the fuck are we doing here? And Gotten's like, we're only killing time until Glenny can get here with a new ship. And, uh, <clears throat> so, Shara wants to go walk around, but Gotten thinks it's a bad idea, so he orders mm-hmm. the shitheads to go with her. Yeah, God. And, uh, wh- while they're out walking around town, um, they see Judo in the back of a cart, and, uh, they jump to hide because they don't want him to see them. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be seen either if I was being a traitor. 
And like, you know, and, and you know, I, I gotta give it credit to Shara because like we do see Chara and she's wearing like a moon moon kind of outfit. Like it's almost like a romper and her hair is tied in like a half ponytail. Shara looks good in these episodes. I love Shara so yeah, much. It's a good look. She rules. And you know, they see Judo, they're like spying on Judo, and like I think Judo spies Chara. And then, like, the rebels who have taken Judo hostage also take Chara hostage. They, like, jump on her with a sheet and, like, grab her and pull her into the cart. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? And then, um, let me see. Now we get to, uh, oh, yeah, Bicha and Mondo see that. Mm-hmm. And Bicha tells Mondo to stay there. And he runs to go tell Gotten. Yeah, he, 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 he fucks off. And, like, I think we cut over them. And, like, you know, Mondo sort of gives chase and is, like, spying on them, too. Yeah. We cut over we see Bright, who's talking to Roll now. And, you know, Roll wants them to swear loyalty to the Coddle. And, like, you know, if you swear loyalty to us, we'll help the Argon. We'll help you resupply. And Bright is like, can we pay you? And Roll's like, absolutely fucking not. Yeah, we will kill you if you try to pay us. They get so mad when he offers. We need a ship to spread the teachings of the Light Tribe across the cosmos. Great. So now the tribal culture are missionaries. Um, <laughs> And then um, one of the uh, one of the temple uh, I, I don't know like one of the guys that you pretty much only see at the temple uh, yeah. comes in. He said he reports that uh, yeah maybe he reports that Chara has been taken by the rebels. Mm-hmm. And Bright then Bright gets pissed because he's like you invited our enemies in here as well. Yeah, and and basically they say well we're playing both sides so we always come out on top either way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we hear a voice from behind the curtains. Mm. Say, if we knew which ship carried our messiah, we wouldn't have had to resort to this. Yeah. And I, I think at this point we know, we can assume that Lady Sarasa is behind the curtain. Like, we've heard her name before. We've heard that Lady Sarasa is the prophet. We haven't seen her yet. But yeah, that's, the you know, the voice behind the curtain is presumably her. And she's saying, yeah, we had to play both sides until we find a messiah. We love it. Um, so now we cut back over. And Manda is still spying in, like, you know, Judo and Chara and Rasara now. So this is the confusing part, which got me for a little while. And it's also part of the episode. There's Sarasa, who's the prophet. But this girl's Rasara. Why is her name so similar? Who could possibly say? But they're talking in, like, sort of an abandoned building. They're like, okay, we're rebels. Because if the Light Tribe, you know, is able to go into space, Moon Moon's gonna, like, lose their peace. They're gonna get embroiled in the war. We have to stop them somehow. Which, I, yeah, I guess. Whatever. Sure. I believe it. Yeah, so Bicha um, has convinced Gotten that the Argama is the kidnappers. And then uh, he laughs, but uh, Walgotten gets mad about it. So I don't, like, I was confused by this. Like, Bicha, are you just trying to piss off everybody? Yeah, no, like, okay, this got me too. Literally all of this is Bicha's fault. Yeah, and like, he's like, he, like, he tells him that it's the Argama. And then like, while he's mad about it, he like, behind his back starts laughing. And I'm like, bro. This isn't funny. I mean, I, at least... He's like realizes that like oh shit because Gotten's like okay tie the ten year old girl to a Gaza D as a bargaining chip and mobilize mobile suits and Beecha's like uh oh sisters <laughs> didn't mean to do that <laughs> yeah Beecha is like like you can see on his face like oh that's not what I meant I don't know happen. if we wanted to go that far uh oh and um <clears throat> he's like if you can't do that then you can just give up any hope of being a soldier for us. Yeah, they, he's like dangled. That's the carrot that's being dangled in front of Beecher right now. That like, if you want to work with us, you have to basically like, you know, operate on our level. And you know, Gotten ends up getting Lena tied to a Gaza as a bargaining chip. And Beach is like, okay, he like sees you know the Gaza being mobilized, and he's like, fucking hell. 
So he he spies Char Soon's Arjarja in the hangar, and he's like, well, I'm going to do something to stop this. We don't see him getting it yet, but you can assume he's going to get in that big robot. And um, as the Gaza is walking out, Lena screams for judo, and uh-huh. in new type flash, he feels it. Uh-huh. Another of the very few redeemable things from this episode. <laughs> he uh, Nobody else heard it. He says that he heard her voice and looks out the window, and Mondo, who is like spying in through the window, like kind of does the thing where like he lowers his arms and kind of hides up against the building. Yeah, it's like he, he he has to do like a little sneak, like you know, like it's an Assassin's Creed. If you're hanging just along under the ledge, no one can actually see you. <laughs> yeah, you're invisible. Yeah. Um. So let's see, let's see, let's see. Yeah, BJ gets in the Mondo's still spying, and like you know, Lena's still being like flown around at this point. You know, the the exposition that we get from Mondo spying on them is like more of the same, whatever. Um, and like Chara doesn't really care that like she doesn't seem to care that uh, Lane is being flown around. She doesn't seem to care that Judo's sister is at stake here, but she still kind of agrees to cooperate because like you know, every the whole episode's everyone's telling Chara how pretty she is, and, and so am I. Um, but she's like, oh, like, I'll show you how pretty I am, not only on the outside, but on the inside, by saving your sister. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, you get it, girl. And, uh, you know, whatever whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. Um, so Beach is in the Arjarja now. He doesn't know how to fly it. But, uh, no. His, his plan is to rescue Chara before Lena gets hurt, and so that everybody will acknowledge him. Yeah, as a soldier. I mean... And then I, he immediately crashes it. He completely beefs it, it rules. Um... <laughs> So, um, they do, they do, before we cut over, they, we do see, like, they all run out, but, like, Mondo's still hanging on the window, and Rosara goes to the window and is like, hello, Mondo, you little asshole, I see you there, you want to help me out? He's <laughs> like, he, he kind of gets caught up in this, too. He he got horny brain. He got horny brain. He sees, he's like, girl, humana, humana. He makes that, ooh, got a foghorn noise with his eyes. It's great. Um, we, we go over the temple. Gotten as now like holding everyone here at gunpoint. Everyone is like freaking the hell out. Like it's just, at this point, my notes just devolve because it's just this big scramble of like mobile suits running everywhere. Everyone's afraid of the mobile suits. At one point, Chara is like running and she sees a Gaza and she like hucks a spear at it and like it scratches its ass because it hits it right on like the back skirt and scratches its ass and like you know it sees Chara and it like gets out and Chara is like go back to the ship now and she gets in it and like everyone's really afraid of her. It rules. <laughs> The scratching the butt was very funny to me. It was silly. It was a cute, silly moment. And then as she's getting into the into the Gaza, Judo yells up to, to remind her of Lena. Mm-hmm. Um, like, don't you know, don't forget that you made a promise. She and, says, Haha, uh, I will. <laughs> and uh over the radio she yells at the Gaza D to stop and uh demands that they return Lena. Mm-hmm. Gotten is like starts to ask why. Um but she gets interrupted from answering by spotting Rue flying overhead. Yeah, because at this point, Rue and Ellen, you know, have mobilized the tri- double Zeta parts. And, and of course, she's like, it's like when Sharcy's gun, she's like, double Zeta gonna beat his ass. She is, she just gets so excited about fighting. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> he, Judo is like, no, wait, no, if they start fighting, then I'll never get Lena back. And uh, so he's like, I need something to get their attention. And the guy that's driving the cart that they're in just so happens to have this big ass smoke bomb with him. Yeah, kinda. It's I I couldn't tell you what happens in the rest of this episode. It's so confusing. It's just um, everything happens so much. I wrote pretty much everything down, but um 
he throws it and gets Rue's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Bicha lands in front of her in the Arjar, or lands in front of Shara in the Arjarja. Um, yeah, Shara loves that. She's able to get in her shoot again because you know she knows that she gets to fight Double Zeta as soon as she gets in that thing. And of course, you know Judo's able to end up forming Double Zeta, and you know Shara is fully forgotten about saving Lena. She just wants to fight the Double Zeta, and and this is like a tiny cramped colony. This is not a good place to fight. Oh no, not at all. Um, Judo tries to chase after um after the char- after the Gazas because Gotten has ordered them to retreat. But uh, Shara gets in his way, and they kind of mm. they kind of wrestle a little bit. They got a bit of a tussle, and then he takes out his big ass beam saber and stabs her in the back. Yeah, and and he stabs her, and he's like, "Uh oh, oh, hey, oh, you got it. Um, hey, 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 you got it. You got to leave. You got to leave. You got to go. It's gonna go blow up. It's gonna blow up." And you know, she's not literally listening. But then he goes at Shara soon and skypes her and says, "You got to leave." And she's like, "Okay, I got to leave. Bye." Yeah, she she got a new type flash or judo. And it's the, the fact that he, now he can, like, he can start to send messages. He can DM people now. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And um, so the people of the temple declare Judo the Messiah since he won the fight. Um, die. They capture Shara and bring her to the prophet, calling her mm-hmm. the woman who nearly destroyed our temple. True. And she, like, kind of asks for forgiveness from Judo. And he's like, it doesn't matter anymore. And everyone loves it and claps. They're like, wow, such behavior is truly befitting the Messiah. He says, I'm no Messiah. I'm just Judo. I'm just, I'm simply baby. And he walks up to the top of the temple and like tears down the curtain to see who's talking to him. And we see the prophet who looks almost identical to Sir Rasara. But the prophet says she's Sarasa. So what's the deal? She's the leader of the light tribe and the prophet. And then episode ends. And then episode ends. What could it possibly mean? I guess we can just jump right into the last one because it's the second part. Yeah. Episode 15, The Phantom Colony, Part 2. Sarasa is telling Judo to spread the Light Tribe's teachings to the cosmos. He thinks she's Rosara and slaps her to snap her out of it, setting off a major conflict where Bright, Rue, Emery, and Chara are captured as Judo, El, and Eno escape. The latter group are saved by Rosara and Mondo, who take them underground to rescue the others. They head out to recapture the Double Zeta and activate the Coddle, showing Sarasa the error of her ways. As this happens, Glimmy heads toward the colony in his new in his new suit, the Bawu. Bawu, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> a major fight breaks out in the colony as Mondo uses the Coddle to defeat a, defeat a Gaza, and Judo fights Glimmy and the Double Zeta until he once again escapes with Lena. As it turns out, the tribe elder, Roll, orchestrated Moon Moon's teachings so he could leave the colony and not be forgotten. The gang finally leave Moon Moon to hunt down Glimmy and Lena once more. Thank God this arc only lasted two episodes. Oh my God! If it was like a merciful or something, I would have. Screamed. Oh God! If I had to like do, if we had to talk about Moon Moon on two episodes of Double Zeta, I would have not had a good time. I tell you what. <laughs> but we only get one. Thank goodness. Um. Yeah, this one starts out. Sarasa telling Judo he needs to spread the Light Tribe's teaching throughout the cosmos. And, like, Shara is like, isn't this the girl we just talked to? And Judo's like, yeah, I think it's the girl we just talked to. And he, like, you know, they think she's the same person in different places. And he, like, tries to slap her and snap her out of it because he thinks that, like, she's confused. And then she's like, "Ah, oh, you slapped me. You're not the Messiah. Get his ass, Temple Guards. Yeah. And so she orders that everybody gets locked up in the dungeon because of this. <laughs> 1,000 years dungeon! And so everybody tries to escape. Um, of course. As they're running down the steps of the temple, my favorite God, part uh, in all three of these episodes happens. 
<laughs> Emery trips, and then Bright stops for her, and the kids keep running. And he he just yells out, "Don't wait for us!" And then he looks up and goes, "Oh, they didn't. They already left." <laughs> Which is good because and and and, and first of all, as Emery's running down, I don't remember if it was judo, but one of them says, yeah. "Your skirt's too tight. You're gonna trip." And she trips, and then like you know, Bright lands on her, and just, and then like this at this point when they're like tangled up together, Bright's like, "By the way, I'm married." You could have said that earlier, my guy. <laughs> you deserve for them to all leave you. God, Moon Moon sucks. Bright sucks. I don't know. I don't know about double Zeta so far. <laughs> uh, so the kids find a nice tree to wait by, and Judo wonders why he didn't just hop in the double Zeta while they were there. Me too. Um, El says something about like the spears still would have killed you or something. Yeah, yeah. They all have like everything. There's like a billion temple guards around, just like chucking spears at everyone. It's dangerous. It's fine. And, like, as they have this conversation, it kind of turns to talk of, like, love and marriage for a little while, which is kind of an interesting, like, I don't know, that that's a cool thing I didn't really expect to see from these kids, you know? Yeah, Eno says something about, like, oh, you fall for every cute girl you see, and Elle's like, that's not true, or else you'd be in love with me. Ding. Ding. And uh, uh, Judo says something like, no, I wouldn't want to start a fight with Bicha. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just cute. I like it. Yeah. Um... But while they're talking about that, the guards catch up to them and start throwing spears at them again. Uh, these guys are like stormtroopers with how accurate they are. Honestly, like all they know how to hit is like everything around them. It, you know, you, you, that's how it be, you know. Yeah. Um, but some guys in a cart show up and start uh, shooting the soldiers with slingshots. Mm-hmm. It's Rosara and her crew. And fucking Mondo's here. And Mondo's here. Um, and only now that Rosara says like no we're sisters does he understand does judo understand that they're twins yeah which is like i mean the only difference as far as i can tell i think they have different colored outfits and different colored like eyeshadow and lipstick they have like similar haircuts they look like they don't look the exact same you can like you know it's it's clearly obvious that they're supposed to be twins but like you know i guess judo's a dumbass 15 year old so he wouldn't know any better and uh, one other small detail is that like one of them's wearing they both have these headbands with a moon on them, with a crescent uh-huh. moon. One is facing towards the right, and one is facing towards the left. Oh, I, I co- never noticed that. I couldn't tell you who's is who's, and I only noticed yeah, it when they are standing it's, next. If it's not one, it's the other. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and yeah, Rosara's like, I don't think that Moon Moon's teaching will help anyone who's already waging war. Like, you know, we have this, this Anne Prim-ass message, but, you know, if everyone's already, like, all in a mobile suit, they're not going to listen to us. So it's not really... A point all that would serve is just to get Moon Moon embroiled, which is like, there's almost something there. There's almost something there, but like, I feel like it's turned on its head and is so stupid because it's like, it's, you know, the, 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 the hidden tribal society saying that, oh, our teachings aren't good to help modern societies because they won't listen to us. It's like, yeah, maybe the opposite should also be true and we shouldn't be doing this. What? Just the thought I've been having. Um, I don't know. That sounds a little out there. It's impossible to say either way. <laughs> um, so they pull up to an old subway tunnel. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they they walk down underneath the ground. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, we'll have to walk down the tunnel." Uh, but Mondo's like, "Well, I could fix up this old tram right here." I like that Mondo's thing is quickly becoming the guy who can, like, do a Bioshock hack and activate electronics. 
And uh, I found this one hilarious because all mm-hmm. he had to do was flip flip the power switch. He had to just like hit a circuit breaker. You telling me none of these and prim freaks know how to do a circuit breaker? And Rosara uh, is like, we're so I'm so glad to have someone like you who's so good with machines. It's like when you go to your grandparents' house and you help them set up their email and they think you're like the IT god. <laughs> right. Um, and then and then we get my second favorite bit from uh-huh. the episodes. And uh, Mondo's like, yeah, well, it's to help you out, Mr. Sara. And Judo says, or it was, or to sell at the Argama. Yeah. <laughs> and then get his ass. L says, or to get money by scrapping the Gundam. Get then, his ass. And then Eno says, we don't like you. <laughs> 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 and like so good. they have him say that like he just kind of slides into frame and he's like we don't like you and then slides back out you are not welcome here mondo <laughs> god you're no longer our friend you gotta make it right oh god double zeta's good again i changed my mind <laughs> um <laughs> we cut over we see sarasa's talking with roll she's telling him you know everyone's fools who don't understand the powerlessness of machines like the coddle like the the coddle exists, which is, you know, a derelict mobile worker from the before times, from vampire times, that, like, you know, if you rely on a machine, it will become powerless, it will become derelict, and there's nothing you can do about it, so we just can't rely on machines at all. We have to become Anprims. We love it. Um, And we learn that the Endra has pledged to Moon Moon by now. So Saras is like, okay, like, let's give them the Argama as well, and, like, they can take that over, and everything's gonna be fine. And, um, uh, <clears throat> we... Go down to the dungeons underneath the, um, underneath the temple, and we see that uh, Rue, Bright, Chara, and Emery are all tied up. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you know? Right behind the wall, Judo and his group is uh, waiting to save them. Yeah, they like they like sneak out. They pop their head out behind a banner. They able you know they're able to like attack the group and like take the guards out and untie everyone and. It's just, you know, whatever. Sure, it's a, sne- it's a, it's a Metal Gear Solid 3 sneaking mission. And uh, as they're, like, untying everybody, L jokes with Rue about, um, oh, yeah, well, this is the best way to get people indebted to you. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, well, I will simply have someone else untie me. I'll do it myself. Yeah, she's like, I will do it myself. You, uh, I, like, she, you can tell that she's just very over L. Mm. Man, maybe if she didn't get caught, she wouldn't have had a problem. I don't know, Rue. Seems like it's your choice. Let's see. We cut over now. Um, this is a cute conversation because Gotten is now talking to Sarasa and Roll. And Sarasa's like, if I become queen of the cosmos, or, or I think Roll says that if Sarasa becomes queen of the cosmos, we'll give access to a whole colony. And Gotten's like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah, I love that. And then Beach is like, why? he like whispers, why are we doing this? And Gotten's like, it's a chance to take the colony without using a single bullet. We have to grovel at their level. And he is so... Fucking pumped. Oh, I love it. He's such a good actor here. It's cute. It's a, it's a nice little thing. Yeah. Just just forget about the time that, you know, he sent active uh, military mobile suits inside the colony beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, as the uh, protagonist group gets back to the uh, to the subway tunnel, Rue ties Shara up again. She's like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, Rue says that, uh, well, now you're the Argamas prisoner. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Checks out. He Judo sends um Bright and Bright Chara, Emery and Rue off on the subway tram and he's like, Me, Elanino, we're gonna go get the double Zeta. Mm-hmm. And uh Rosara and Mondo stay behind as well, because Rosara wants Mondo to fix the coddle and uh Yeah. Hmm. Curious. 
I'm excited. Oh yeah. And and yeah, she 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 explains the same thing to Mondo, saying it's a monument to paralysis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then and then we cut over. We see a little Glemmy Toto. He's in a new ship. I don't know if we got the name of it. But I don't think new, that we did. It's, it's an Axis ship. It's a new one, and he has a new toy because Bawoo. What's this? Bawoo is the Bawoo. This thing, I God. The Bawoo is really, really sick looking. I love every oh my single God, like, it's double data Axis suit. The Bawoo, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little rundown of this. So, it, the shape is very Barzam-esque in that it has very little torso. It's mostly legs and arms. But it's like this really beautiful like reddish-orange color. You have yellow trim on the feet, on the wrists. Like, the verniers are yellow, uh tinted like around the edges of it and like there's a cool yellow crest and like uh collar almost on it you get like you know black accents like a lot of the torso is black there's this really really sick big old kanji on the front left skirt uh it says it the archaic kanji it means dragon and flight and you pronounce it bau so it means like flying dragon or dragon flight or something that's what bau means oh that is sick Bow-woo. And of course, it has a cool backpack. It um, you know, it has these two really big verniers, and like, it's just, it's just a god. It's a really sick looking mobile suit. I love this thing. Oh, me too. I it's I like hope the Barzan, but cooler. I hope that they have made a uh, gunplay of this one as well because I want it. I believe there's a reborn 100 Bawu. Ooh. There's yeah, because there's a reborn 100 Bawu, and I, there's also a reborn 100 Hamahama, so you can get them both. Apparently yes. they're very they're very like hard to keep together though. I think they're like very like fragile and ah, they fall damn. apart pretty easily. Yeah, you know, you take what you can get, but it's still a dope ass mobile suit. I love it. Maybe one day I'll get it. Um so yeah, he Glemmy Glemmy flies over there, he's heads toward Oh no, I don't even think I think I skipped ahead. We don't even see the Bawu yet, but whatever. I'm not gonna fucking bother changing it around. Glemmy Glemmy is heading towards Moon Moon and he's gonna get a mobile suit eventually. Um and then, then we're at the jungle sneaking through to the double Zeta. That's right, what happens next. Yeah, and so the uh, colonists have put like a fence-like scaffolding around the double Zeta. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can see you keep it safe. Yeah, and they see, Be- uh, the, the main kids see Beecha climbing up like he's going to get in the uh, double Zeta's cockpit. Some guards stop him and are like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh no, the, the prophet asked me to do this. He, yeah, he's simply allowed to. Because yeah. yeah, at some point, I, I, I at some point, I think Gotten tells him to like take out the double Zeta. Either Gotten or Roll or Sarasa does. So he actually is not really lying here. He is just like, well, he was ordered to take out the double Zeta, but of course he's gonna hijack it to sell it because you know how Beach would be. Oh yeah. Um, and then Mondo gets in the coddle. It, there's like this cool little like leg. It, it's like a like a lift that goes on the leg that like slides up towards the middle of it. Um. And he's like, yeah, the solar battery's still on, so this thing can still move. It's, like, full of juice, baby. And uh, so Eno and L uh, come up the plane. They're going to distract the guards while Judo gets to the cockpit of the Double Zeta. And they start throwing rocks at Bicha while he's climbing. And uh, they're just like, oh, there's attackers. Uh-oh. Um, and so Judo, he starts climbing up as well. And uh, one of the guards throws a spear at him. And <laughs> Judo grabs the spear and, like, carries it up with him and yes. kind of starts poking it at Bicha. He's like, move or I'll actually stab you. Bicha, I am speaking directly into your ear, man. I will stab you with this trident if you do not get off of this thing. Uh, and yeah, I think I by now, spear. damn it. 
Yeah, yeah, try to spear, yeah, same thing. And by now, you know, a big old army has showed up, and they're all trying to climb the scaffolding, which of course is, like, weighing it down, and you know, it all collapses, but Judo's able to get into the cockpit. He, like, dodges more spears as he's, like, dangling from the little, like, flap over the cockpit. But he gets in it. We love it. He's able to activate double Zeta. I'm very happy about it. Um, so Godden orders the Gaza Seas to launch, mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Judo is making his way to the Indra to rescue Lena. Yeah, he, he like just tears apart the Gazas on the way. He's like not messing around. Hell no, he's not. Um, and, and now Glemmy gets the news of the fight in the moon. Then he heads out in the Bawu. Rewind if you want to hear me yell about the Bawu again. We love it. <laughs> uh, Mondo is trying to fix up the coddle, but he can't get it to work. So he smacks the controls in frustration. And oh, hey, now it's working. He's a technical genius. Yeah, because the, th- the coddle isn't a mobile suit. It's a mobile worker. Yeah. It this thing this thing is really strange looking. I really like it. It's like you remember the um what it, what was the thing that um what's his face used? Like the weird like teapot looking guy from earlier in Double Zeta? Oh, the the Gaze? Yeah, it looks like the Gaze kind of. It's like this weird like it's like a tall cylinder head and it has like you know a big old mono eye but like it doesn't it has four arms but each arm is like on a cylinder on its shoulder so it like rotates around it's very strange looking but really really interesting i like it a lot and even though it is a mobile worker it still has a big gun which is weird yeah i don't know why but there's like a weird like 360 degree cannon on the top of its head that it can like fire from it's, yeah. know, it's it's fine it looks it looks neat like it looks neat i i like it yeah um, and yeah, so everything lights up and it's able to start moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it doing its thing. I like it. It doesn't really like, it kind of just like rolls along the ground almost as if it's on treads or something. It doesn't really like, it's not acrobatic or like poseable at all. It's just like a silly looking thing. <laughs> um, so the Gazas have like kind of started fighting double Zeta down to the ground and he's like struggling mm-hmm. against them. And because uh, he doesn't want to get too crazy because he doesn't want to damage the colony. And then the, the coddle shows up and just starts whipping ass. Yeah, this thing is like taking these things down. Um, and the crowd sees it and they're like, oh, the coddle, the coddle. And they start bowing to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rasara lowers herself down and uh, explains like, no, no, this is nothing more than a machine. I'm trying to show you guys that this is just a it's just a machine. It's it's not, you know, it's nothing more than yeah. that. Yeah, she's trying to, like, rewrite the sort of teachings of Moon Moon by showing them, like, yeah, it's not a thing of powerlessness. It's just a machine that works, and you can use it for whatever you want. And Sarasa is not having it. She orders them to capture oh, no. her. But uh, none of the guys do, because mm, they're just they're, too in awe. Yeah, too in awe of the coddle. And we see, um, you know, as, as as Mono's doing this, Judo's still flying to the Endra, and he sees Glemmy. And, then, like, you know, he, like, fired into the, like, the sort of, like, docking tube like blew it up and like flies through it and Glemmy's there in the Bawu and cause like the Ender's like gonna blow up soon I think like it's like heavily damaged so he has to go inside and save Lena cause you know he still is like wants to keep her safe as a bargaining chip and Judo sees it and Glemmy's able to like just kind of like take the double Zeta down cause the Bawu is like really maneuverable it's a pretty quick pretty quick dude um and yeah he grabs Lena and flies off and he says that he'll only give her back in exchange for Rue yeah and, and for some reason Judo doesn't get wise like why Rue it's like, were you not told? Nobody tells anybody anything. Duh. Yeah, duh. They're just stupid kids. <laughs> um, and Mondo easily beats the Gazas that uh, Judo left behind for him. Mm-hmm. And he gets out of the mobile worker. And Bicha gets 
like runs up to him and is pissed that Mondo is helping them. Oh my god, like they have like a fight. And he puts him into a headlock and like drags him back to the Indra. Y- yeah, like he he's like, Why are you helping Judo? And it's it's just fucking God, you stupid kids. And as as they're leaving, um they're, like they're they're in like, you know, the jungle, right? And we see Bright talking to Roll back at the temple, and he's like figures out that Roll is the orchestrator of all of this, that Roll is the one who like made all these teachings in the law, and like Really, the only reason he did it was because he, like, wanted to leave the colony and not be forgotten. Like, my man, you could have just left. He missed the outside world. God, it's just... Ugh. The fact that this is the reasoning is just so, like... At this point, I just don't care anymore. I just want to leave Moon Moon so badly, you know? It's just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave you to your devices, you nasty old man. <laughs> um, And then they, they get back in the Argama and they head out. And uh, as they leave... Judo's like, yeah, it was kind of a nice place. Maybe we can return after I get Lena back. And I'm like, no, please don't. Please don't. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, like, he's, you know, it's a nice place. You don't have to lie about it, Judo. It's not really nice. And, 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 like, the last part, his last, like, gut punch is just, like, everyone's like, yeah, like, we should leave them alone. You know, they're probably happier not knowing about the modern world. I'm just like, why did you come here in the first place? Why did this have to be part of Double Zeta? I, I feel like I don't really have anything you know, substantive to say about Moonum anymore. It's just like, it feels like it was written with the writers saying they had such good ideas about it, but like, what they didn't realize is that half the shit they were writing is like, the reason why you shouldn't try and like, bring modernity to like, you know, you shouldn't mess around with like, indigenous tribes and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and like, it doesn't make a lot of sense either, um, the way that they tried to, to do it. Because, like I was saying earlier, They've only been living in space for, like, maybe a little over a hundred years, probably. Mm-hmm. That's not enough time for, a, like, civilization to get lost and completely forget about machines. And, yeah. like, they see these big things like, oh, no, these giant robots. What do? Yeah, yeah, it's, I just, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to not like about Moon Moon. I, like, I, you know, I like, I like Shara. She's fun in these episodes. I like the coddle. I, I think it's cool that we get to see, like, you know, the characters interact in a more casual manner. But, like, the whole backdrop of Moon Moon is just like, this sucks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad it's over. That's, you know, those are the episodes we watched. They were certainly episodes of the show. Sure were. One way or another. Um, I do... We got a little bit after these episodes, though. I, I got I got a little something-something. It's not anything major. Um, because, again, I'm very, very busy playing video games and packing to move. But <laughs> we have... <laughs> We have a short, um, let's see, why didn't I lose my page? We, we have, like, a, some pieces of trivia and a small Beyond Toon world. So we got two. So the first thing I will give you is a small Beyond Toon world. You're going to love this. Trust me. Beyond Toon We're today talking about the first, the, 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 I, I wanted to do a first look up Chara's voice actress but she was literally only a char and that's it no, no oh wow else. so that's you know whatever but then I looked up glemmy and glemmy's voice actor does a couple of fun things so T- tsutomu kashiwakura born in march 1999 1966 sagami hara japan voice actor sound director that's you know he's one of those pages where we really don't know a whole lot about him just that he's been active since the mid 80s and I believe he's still active now, so, you know, it's good. 
He's been a couple of interesting roles. So, of course, Glemmy was, like, one of his first roles. I think Glemmy was his first role, really. Oh, wow. Um, in, in like, a, a Transformers spinoff series is he was Lightfoot and Rabbit Crater. I fucking, I don't know who these guys are, but they're, they're certainly Transformers. <laughs> he was Kijin Shinokawa and Sailor Moon. Don't remember that fool, but again, you know, more minor roles. Interesting, Fatal Fury, Legend of the Hungry Wolf TV show. He was a young Terry Bogard. Oh, snap. Are you okay? Um, Terry Bogard's a fun guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I really want to save this last one for last because it's such a... Uh, uh, there's one role that like made me like yell a lot. Um, <laughs> but the King of Braves, Gao Gaigar. He was because several roles. Kosuke Antoji, Takeyasusuno, and Pinchernon. I guess is a funny French name. And he was also the character of Super Robot Wars Alpha. Um, and then, like, from that point, he was basically mostly Glemmy in, like, Dynasty Warriors and Super Robot Wars games. He was also, he was the voice of El Pizzo in Mega Man Zero 2. I don't know if you played that one, but, like, that's just, like, a very weird, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, I like seeing weird roles like that, like, random bit roles. Well, I mean, I guess he's the main bad guy in that game, but whatever. I'm still rambling. I have not played that. I got the Mega Man Zero and Mega Man ZX collection on the Switch for Christmas, though. So I will be soon. Hell yes. Those games are fun. They're very difficult, but they're very fun. Oh, yeah. The only one I've played is Mega Man Zero, and uh, mm-hmm. it whipped my ass the entire time. Yeah, it's a rough start. You, you know, you get the hang of it the more you play it. And so so, so his two main roles in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Eyes of Heaven, specifically, he was Sheer Heart Attack. Like the little funny killer queen, killing tank boy that comes out. Oh, of the hands, okay, yeah. Which is just like very, very silly and funny to me. <laughs> and the main role that like made me freak out in 1997s is 97. In hold on, in 1998's TV show Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> he uh, was Rio Bakura. Oh snap! He was Rio Bakker, and of course Yami Bakker as well. I I love it. It's Hell yeah. Rio. We love him. We love uh, Bakura. Love Bakura. Funny little guy. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's that's all that's really all there is for Glemmy. Not a whole lot, but thank you. I, I am I am saluting Tsutomu Kashiwakura for your service. Great work. Um and the other small bit of trivia I had, Jake, is about the double zeta itself. Because when the double Zeta was first, like, you know, conceived of, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with it. You know, there, there, there was like, it, they, you know, I guess that's like the kind of design process of building a robot like that. It's like, you know, you have to start it somewhere. But as it turns out, there was like, first of all, it started out having different names. You know, I'm sure double Zeta was in the running, but they were originally going to call it Gundam Mark III. And Omega Gundam and Neo Gundam, among other things, which is like an interesting sort of, you know, it's a Gundam again. They got to bring it back to the OG. And the Double Zeta itself was like made through a design competition with like different mechanical designers. And, you know, some of the people, I, I don't know what these people have worked on aside from this, but there's Makoto Kobayashi, who was the one who ended up winning the contest and had the main base design for Double Zeta. Uh, Hideo Okamoto and Mika Akitaka, namely, because they also helped work on it after the design was finalized. And even after that, the Gundam Mark III and Neo Gundam ended up being real Gundams in, I think, a manga at some point. Oh, nice. But I've posted an image in, in our chat of, like, 
some of these like prototypical like beta designs, if you will, of the double Zeta. And some of these are very strange looking. I like them a lot. These are cool. The, 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 the first one, it has... So a lot of these have the big head crest in the middle. Um, the, you know, the, 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 bl- the butthole beam. But this first one has it kind of poking up top, and it has a really wide view, and it looks like some weird, like, Centurion Knight almost. It has, like a, like, a pile bunker arm and a big old shield arm on the other. There's one that has gigantic Kingdom Hearts-ass feet, uh, a cool <laughs> big gun on the side. And if you notice, a lot of these also have that kind of, like, double cannon arm that you see a lot. Like, I feel like a lot of them knew about the wing shield arms and the big old cannon attached to it. So like, you can sort of see where the designs are converging and going away. Yeah. There's one that looks like a victory suit because it's like so small and stout. It's like when mobile suits got to be little again, you know, in late UC. Yeah. But it's just like, I really love seeing the like design history of these things. Um, I'll hopefully remember to link this image in the episode description when I put this one up. But like, I you know, if not Google, uh, just go to the Zeta Gundam or the Double Zeta page on the Gundam Wiki, and like at the bottom, there's like a little image gallery, and you can see all these sort of beta designs of like what ended up becoming the Double Zeta. And I just, it's just a really cool thing. I I like seeing the history beyond behind these things and like what could have been with other mobile suit designs that didn't you know get to make it into real ones. I think of all of these, my favorite might be that second one there. It's kind of like. Whoever, the Kingdom Hearts feet one? Yeah. Whoever um, whoever drew that one did not use a lot of hard angles, so it's, like, kind of curvy almost. It's a, Yeah. No, yeah. Its legs are very curvy. Its arms are a little, like, curvy and bubbly. I it, it looks it looks like it would transform, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know it does, but it looks more of a transformer than the other ones, which is neat. I don't know. It's cool. It's fun. Yeah, these are all really cool. I like robots. That's why I do this show. <laughs> and, hey, speaking of this show and maybe some other shows... As we wrap up, Jake, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at MrJakeyPoo on the Twitter.com. And you can also uh, find me on uh, Hearts Against Balance, a Kingdom Hearts inspired inspired actual play podcast. Um, You can also find me on a podcast, Most Foul, where my wife is reading through Artemis Foul for the first time. And I am rereading my favorite childhood books. Hell yes. Max, where can we find you? Oh, thanks for asking, Jake. You can find me on Twitter.com slash MaxiBajillion. I got a couple other shows, including Pod of Greed, which is a show about Yu-Gi-Oh! That is Twitter.com slash Pod of Greed cast. And uh, Slappers Only. Why did I forget it? Slappers Only, which is at Slappers Only Pod on Twitter or Slappers Only Pod.com. You can find those shows and many more at Noisepace.xyz, which is a podcast network where this show is hosted. Go check them out. There's something for everyone there. Podcasting Forever 2021. Uh, and I guess I have one more question for you, Jake. Yes, Max. As we bring it to the close, what is your robot of the week? My robot of the week is Marvin the Depressed Android. Marvin the Depressed Android? I don't know he about is, this one. He is from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, he's the funny, like, the ball head guy. Yeah, he's just like a set. Oh, I guess his official title is Marvin the Paranoid Android. Okay. But uh, he's just a very sad, mopey guy, and he is the best. He's my favorite, and um, even as a kid when I was watching the like the the American movie, he uh-huh. was my favorite as well. He looks silly. I like He looks like Gurr from Invader Zim a little bit. He, he's kind of goofy looking. He looks... I like his sad little eyes and like the sort of like crease, like the little like line going between his eyes. It looks like a furrowed brow. It looks all sad. 
Oh, poor guy. And he's just kind of got like a slumpy body, like he's like just slouching over the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, poor Marvin. Someone go cheer Marvin up. Let him play, coach. <laughs> well, sorry, Marvin. I hope you feel better soon. Um, eh, I guess that'll do it for this week. Thank you again for tuning in. Hopefully next week will be not as bad. <laughs> Hopefully after Moon Moon <laughs> things get a little bit better. I've I've received reports that it does get better, so I'm glad to hear that. I am excited. Yeah. Well, I'm yawning right now. It's great. Oh, excuse me. Uh, to bring this to the close, Jake, as we always say in the words of Marvin, the paranoid android, war is bad. Wow. Cool robot. Wow. Good night, folks. <laughs> Toodles doodles. Bye, Moon Moon Forever. Go to hell. Woo!